You're listening to the God, God Life Culture, Culture Podcast, Podcast, where faith and what's trending collide. Welcome, welcome back to the latest episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. This is Eddie. What's up, everyone? This is Miguel, and we are so thankful and excited that you are tuned in for a brand new episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. We want to remind you to take this minute to hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to us, whether it's Apple or Spotify. Uh, we would definitely appreciate that subscription. And also, if you have not left us that review and rating, be sure to do so. That definitely helps put our show in front of more people and we would so so appreciate it eddie how are you doing today today is a new day it's a good day i just as always whenever i get asked that question for some reason it's like even if i had a bad day that all goes out the window <laughs> and it's like i'm doing great i'm happy my yeah. family's alive everybody's doing good um but obviously you know you may have your run-ins throughout the day where work is driving you crazy because everyone it's about to be five o'clock, but everyone decides that that's the moment where they need all the urgent things to be figured out and yeah. responded to. Uh, so you're trying to be polite and also looking at like, I'm about to clock out. That's too bad for you. Uh, but, you know, you also try to be responsible with all this stuff. But overall, I'm just doing great and super excited uh, for the special guest that we have today. How are you doing? Yeah, everything is great. And like you said, uh, you know, you have to make the best of everything. And there's always that hustle and that grind. But, you know, I'm very happy to be here. And like you said, I mean... We have had, uh, you know, special guests kind of, you know, since January. Right. Yeah. And uh, we've had a lot of special guests over these last few weeks um, in this summer. And, uh, you know, we're also grateful that you guys have enjoyed our last few episodes. We had a guest co-host and then, you know, me and you kind of did yep. two episodes and had some topics to talk about. But today we have a very special guest with us that I know our listeners are going to enjoy, are going to uh, just benefit from and just be blessed by the conversation. So with that being said, let's welcome to the God Life Culture Podcast, Pastor Ruthie Rodriguez. Ruthie, please say hello doing? to our listeners. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Hey, God Life Culture Podcast, Eddie Miguel. <laughs> guys, thank you for having me. I'm amped up to be here. Thank you for being here with us. And as always, we always have to ask this question. Sometimes our guests find it daunting, uh, but we always like to ask this question as a way to introduce our special guest to our listeners, which is, Ruthie, who are you? If you had to describe and explain yourself to people who uh, maybe are not familiar with you, how would you do that? That is like, now I know why it's a daunting question. Like, <laughs> I like, if, like if you guys had a camera right here, you would see the shock and awe in my face right now. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so if I had to describe myself, I think the first thing I would say is, um, it sounds so cliche, but I love God. That's the first thing, right? Um, but that doesn't, that talks about my relationship with God, but doesn't really explain who I am. So mm -hmm. what does that love? How do I translate or communicate that love to God? And really it's through arts. I just love music. Um, been playing music since I was a kid, musician, and uh, went to school for it. Uh, had some interesting stories with that. Uh, was able to do some traveling musically. Uh, currently I am pastoring and still super passionate about music. Got a little bit of like, video editing that I do. I, I'm a fake graphic designer. Um, <laughs> you know, Canva makes me legit. And so really, that's my thing. I'm an aunt. You know, I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. 
And like I said, I'm currently pastoring, associate pastor of a church in Jersey City, the Tabernacle. And I think in a nutshell, it's music, it's God, it's ministry, all of that wrapped into one. Yeah, I think you answered that that question perfectly. And now when you say, uh, you know, you're a musician and, and, you know, into the arts and all of these things, when you think back on your journey, right, I think we all have a genesis. We all have a beginning when it comes to the things that we're passionate about or the things that we love. Um, You know, when you think back on your journey as a musician, as a worshiper, as someone who's interested in the arts, what experience jumps out at you? Um, you know, marking who you are today? The biggest one immediately is I can remember seeing myself as a kid. Uh, my church was a church in Newark, New Jersey. It was called Sinai, beautiful church on Park Avenue. And I remember being there Sunday after Sunday. I don't know how young I was, but completely focused on the musician section of the church. So like, I don't remember sermons. I don't remember the singers. I only remember the musicians, where they were seated, what it looked like, what it felt like to be in a service and hearing the energy of the music. And then um, hearing stories from my mom saying that I would cry, like being three, four, even as young as two, crying because I couldn't run to the drum set. (laughs) And so, or, you know, as I got older, playing tambourine in the service and feeling like I was like gonna go on tour with like Marcos Witt because I was like, my skills (laughs) on the tambourine were at a whole other level. So like if you were to say a genesis, I would have to say it was music in church. And then it continued with my mom. My mom was actually an organist for 10 years. She took classes um, and she was the first one to teach me scales and chords. And that was really the start was in church and in my house. Now, you know, there's this, um, this video of you that's going around. You did an interview recently. Um, yeah, yeah. And in that video, you had a you had a statement, which is if God places you in a room, you've got something to contribute. Um, you know. And I actually watched the full interview and was very, was surprised. But for no, I'm like, why are you surprised? Because, you know, I've known you for many years. Um, I've seen you, you know, minister, you know, at your local church to very big venues and stadiums. Um, and as you were sharing this moment and this testimony um, and this word of encouragement, you spoke about, you know, not feeling comfortable in the rooms that God had placed mm-hmm. you in. And I'm like, Ruthie, feeling like that. Like, I'm like, she's a beast. She's like, she's crazy. She's so annoyed. Like, you know, but in reality, because of our humanity and other things, mm. you know, we do find ourselves feeling that way. So for our listeners that didn't, that have not gotten the opportunity uh, to hear that can you a little bit a little elaborate a little bit more on that that if god places you in a room you've got something to contribute absolutely like the story that i that i gave for that experience had everything to do with an event that i played at a few years ago um and i had the opportunity to sit in with a band that i felt was out of my league it was supposed to be a band that i put together for an event and i connected with another friend of mine who is a giant in the industry and he decides he's gonna get like the hottest players he can get at the time. And I really felt like a small fish in a humongous pond. And what's interesting about it, guys, is that you never see yourself the way people see you. And we know that, and we could preach that, and we could teach that. And even if you're not a Christian, you know that. You Mm -hmm. never, ever see yourself the way people see you. Um, And they'll be like, well, you're a beast. You got this. But a lot of times we don't feel that way. And we feel so insignificant. And at that moment, that's how I felt. And the story that I shared for those that hadn't heard the interview was they were these, this amazing drummer uh, by the name of Noah Smith. The bassist was Danny Hernandez. He traveled and toured with many Christian artists. Then you have Benny Martinez, amazing guitarist living out in Nashville who plays out place for everyone. And Randall Johnson or awesome organist from William McDowell's church. 
Mm. And they started like shedding at the end of service. And for those that don't know shedding, you just start like playing like spontaneously and you're Mm -hmm. just grooving as a band. And I was having a good time. And all of a sudden they're handing out solos. And I'm like, no, oh my God, I, I don't solo. I really don't solo. And I had two decisions at that moment to do what I usually have done, which is to shy away and then go in a corner and cry and be a quote unquote girl about it, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know that could be rather offensive in our day and age, but that's how I felt. Or I could step up to the plate with what I have. And yeah. what I have is chords and I, I can play chords and I can play changes that you'll throw the changes. People go, Ooh, you know? So I, took advantage of that moment and said, you know what? I'm just going to come to the plate with what I got. And that was such a lesson for me guys back then. And can I tell you since that interview, I've gotten the testimonies, but even in my own life, I got to give what I got. Yeah. And that's enough. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't want to get lazy with our giftings. You know, you should get better. You should look for improvement, whatever the case may be, whether it's business, whether it's ministry, whatever the case is. But when I'm constantly shying away from opportunities, when I'm constantly looking down at myself, when I'm constantly questioning what I have, when I'm constantly sitting in the corner crying about opportunities, what you're not realizing is that there are doors that God has opened that because of your whining and complaining and self-doubt and insecurity, you've closed for yourself. At that, that, at that point, it's no one else's fault but your own. And that's something that ministered to me big time. And it's been like this thing. It's been this theme that I've just been able to share with a few people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what I love about it is the fact that, you know, you're talking from a musician's perspective, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and this is a principle that can be applied, whether you're a musician, a worshiper, a teacher, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, right? Like regardless of what field and what you do in ministry, in your career, you know, within your local church, I think we all face those moments where we are intimidated by, you know, those people who we, we may even look up to, right? Or, you know, want to emulate or have been inspired by then we're in the same room as them and we're like oh my goodness do I have what it takes right do I have what it takes Mm -hmm. to do this and you know I heard this statement one time that someone said never shrink because there is greatness in a room you know and I think it's so easy sometimes to uh, think less of ourselves it's so easy to be intimidated and in turn miss out on opportunities because mm-hmm. of that you know and it's like you just never know uh you know who was in the room and who was watching and who was there and who needed the unique gift that you had right and that only Absolutely. you can offer in that moment so I love that because again it can apply to literally everything and anything you do both for the lord and in just in your life in general you know this, I, I and i don't mean to jump in on no, that go ahead. It, what you said was so amazing because uh when that video came out and i and i uh we we released that little snippet i literally have people from all arenas of life and one of the ones that mostly impacted me was someone that wrote to me who is in the field of insurance which that's not what the interview was for <laughs> right but he was like when I heard that snippet, it happened to me that day where I was in a room with people that I felt I didn't, I didn't have anything to contribute. I didn't. And he's like, I felt like in a corner, I felt like hiding and hearing your interview motivated me so that the next time I'm in that space, which I will be, I know how to tackle the situation. So you're right. It, it, it crosses boundaries because I think we've all been in that place where we feel like, why am I even here? Why am I here? And the message is give what you have. Be confident giving it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one thing on this podcast that we talk about often is the idea that, uh, you know, young ministers and people who are out there, you know, young preachers, singers, musicians need mentors in their lives. Mm -hmm. That is something that, you know, we are both very passionate about being, you know, the fact that we have grown up in the church since very young and have been involved in ministry since very young. Um, you know, we have seen the importance of having people in your life that can speak over you, that can help you, that can help guide you and help make decisions and even warn you about certain things or, you know, correct you on certain things if, you know, if necessary. So I want to ask you, how important do you think it is for in this, um, you know, conversation for young musicians and worship leaders to have people in their life that is able again to guide them to warn them to even just you know prep them for certain things if you know they see that you know something they're doing something that you know may not uh, be in good taste or may could have been better to have that voice um you know to help direct them how important do you think that is i'm literally guys i'm literally shaking my head right now about to take a shoe and throw it out the door <laughs> because this is like, I'm sitting here going, are they in my brain? Because as we were talking before, it, I thought about my mentors. And I thought about the fact that, and I'm, you know, I've been, and throw in parentheses, just an in between, um, doing that interview, the first interview was something that, that I needed to do. And I didn't realize it. And it was part of a process of healing that I've needed to do. I talk about a gap uh, uh, in my musical journey. There is a gap of silence because of my own insecurities and my own issues. Now, um, that, that music insecurity crossed into ministry. So when God called me to be a pastor and I finally accepted the calling, I was dealing with the same questions. Um, no, this is too much. I can't do it. You know, <laughs> you know doing all of that. And then instead of me me measuring myself to ministries that I could learn from at my level, I was measuring myself against churches that are like 50 times larger than me. And so those feelings of insecurities were growing. So I could find myself, guys, moments where I'd be like in a corner in my house, just really like, I can't do this, this is too much. I can't do it, I can't do it. And so then I had these mentors that God had assigned to me. And in precise moments in my life, I would get phone calls from them, literally like they had a clock on me or something. And they call me and every message consistently was put your pants on and stop crying. Hmm. Now that was harsh. And I remember one day in particular, God has assigned me uh, a spiritual mother. She's a prophet. And um, there were many instances where I would be having a quiet moment where no one could see me just literally saying, I can't do this. Just like I bombed musically, you know, look at the opportunity I lost out because of my, I can't do it. Not with the church. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. And she ends up calling me. I'm thinking she's going to give me a prophetic word, you know, say, you can do it, my daughter. Be lifted up, daughter of mine. You know, I see you from afar. And instead she calls me and in Spanish, she says, deja el mamitis, which is like, stop being a baby cry. Mm -hmm. And um, I have to be honest. I was in my feelings. I was livid. I said, how dare you? Like in my head, I'm like, how dare you? And what I realized is that every mentor that I had for at least a year was being iron that sharpens iron. And the thing that people forget is that when iron sharpens iron, guys, it hurts. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not willing to hear those voices, you're not going to grow. And so the idea of having a mentor is not so that they can applaud you every single time. Oh, 
oh, like it's like when you have like my niece, my niece will sit there and, and do a circle that makes no kind of sense. Oh, good job, sweetie. Good job. You know, at a certain time, at a certain point of our lives, you need the mentors to say that didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know that I get your vision, but that's, you're not going in the right direction or this, you've got to stop the whining or you're being too puffed up. Or I think you need to sit it out. This is a season to sit out. Or if you're a vocalist, you're doing too many runs in the service. Or if you're a musician, you know, that was nice, but you weren't sensing the atmosphere. And you have to be sensitive to that. And when you're not, and you're a renegade and you want to go rogue, it might look cute at the moment, but you end up paying for that in the long run. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's important. Absolutely. No, it's just crucial. I think mentors are crucial, guys. I mean, for me, it's been a lifesaver. It really has been. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that Miguel and I talk a lot about also is that um, kind of unfortunately, uh, especially in the Latin community, we um, see a lot, or at least back in the day, us growing up, we see a lot how um, a young person would be talented or a young person would be anointed or a young person uh, would have the gift and it was kind of like being thrown into the wolves. Like, okay, yeah, right. go go do 37 concerts. So yeah, go lead this group, go lead this ministry and stuff. Um, and a lot of times there was um, that, that emptiness, that lack of mentorship where people mm-hmm. didn't make the mistakes and people did have to do trial and error. And, you know, it, it caused, it maybe caused a lot more, uh, a lot more headaches than could, that could have been avoided if uh, mentors would have either made themselves present or would have been found to really guide those individuals, um, you know, and to, help them because it's like you said it you know it's not always about hey you're doing a good job here's a pep talk sometimes you really do have to give the constructive criticism the hard truths on how to you know redirect certain things and how to fix certain things because like you said it may be looking cute at the moment but the reality is do it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing um yeah so, so i think it is really important that idea um that you know as churches that if you don't have that program in for mentorship uh, that you really look into adopting that so that, you know, these youngins or even us, you know, older folk, <laughs> you know, can oh, yeah, really oh, yeah, take oh, yeah. appreciation. Well, no, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you in that category on <laughs> no, your I'm birthday. You, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> She's like, you weren't talking about me. I... <laughs> uh, but yes, I do. I think it's so vital and so important because I reflect yeah. back on my life and see of moments where I could have really used one and I didn't, but because of God's grace and mercy and because he is awesome that way, you know, I may not have it physically, but he was there uh, to guide me in those moments. Um, you know, something that I always uh, love to speak about and I love to hear um, other people's experiences experiences, whether, you know, specifically with you as a musician, pastor, just a person that has been in church their whole life, you know, is when you bear witness to how God, either through music or through a moment where he just, you know, showed off, you know, liberated or healed or restored someone's life. You know, so what is a moment with that you can talk about where you encountered God in such a way, whether it was musically or whether it's just at a random moment, you know, where you experienced God as either your liberator, your healer, your restorer? Um, I think for me was there's always a few experiences like that. And um as particularly as an artist, because artistry really is an extension of, of who you are and of your worship, you know? So I can remember one time, particularly when I was writing, I was doing a writing session with, with my, uh, with my best friend who at the time we were business partners, um, in a company called 2911 music. And so we were doing like a songwriting camp where we were just writing, writing, just pounding out songs. 
And I remember that one day, um, this melody just came to me, the music, mm-hmm. the music came to me, but the lyrics actually came to me one day when I was feeling so low. Um, this was years ago. I mean, I was feeling really low, overwhelmed with school at the time. I was doing my bachelor's, overwhelmed with church and ministry and a bunch of stuff. And when the lyrics came out, I wrote them down. And I remember that when we went into the lab and I started to record the song just as a demo, I couldn't get through the song. Hmm. For as much as I tried, I couldn't get through the song. And when I finally, finally was able to track the song, the original version, you could hear my voice cracking. You could hear the, the, you could hear the weight of the song. And it turned out to be a song that we added on what ended up being the project of a band that I was in that we formed. It was called True Destiny. Mm-hmm. It was the last song on the album. And the song, if I remember the correct, the lyrics were um, in Spanish. Uh, uh, gosh, I don't even remember the, the lyrics. Um, but if I remember, I would bring it up. But it was one of those songs where it broke me in a way that allowed me to do healing because I was able to pray to God from that place of brokenness. And I sent my own deliverance through a song that God gave me to sing. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I'm sure people can can relate to that, where maybe you're uh, writing or you're playing and you could sense your own deliverance happening in that place of worship, whether it's your bedroom, whether it's a service. And I think that that's amazing when when the, when the artistry that God gave you can minister to you, because guys, we all know, like, what can we give if we're not set free ourselves? We're going to give of what we have. And if you're broken and it's not dealt with, if you're um, hurting and it's not dealt with, then for as much as we can preach and say what we want, we don't give what we say. We give who we are. That's something I heard Michael's Brunette say, which it completely, completely undid me. It's not about what we say. It's about who we are. So what am I giving out? So if I can have my music heal me so that then I can heal others, that's powerful. So that was one of those moments where I feel like I was set free in that moment of worship in a yeah. song that God gave me. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, behind every, uh, you know, songwriters, uh, you know, song and musicians, you know, song and production and all of these things, there's always that story, right? There's always that, that moment of, you know, intimacy with Christ or a situation that you have gone through. And oftentimes, again, it's your obedience in that moment. You know, I said one time, you know, a few episodes ago that, you know, creatives are oftentimes, you know, some of the boldest people because, it is easier to, uh, you know, put your feelings or emotions into a song or into what you're doing than it is to maybe sit down face to face with someone and just, you know, speak about it. Right. So it's like, you know, sometimes you rather write poetry or write a song or, you know, put an instrumental together as opposed to really just, you know, being vulnerable in that way. And again, I think there is a reward for that obedience in being able to, uh, you know, take that pain or take that frustration, take that experience and put it into that art form. Um, and I think not, you know, everyone's story is always so different where for someone, they may just put out that song or put out, you know, that production and feel that healing and deliverance instantly in that moment. And then for others, it's almost like healing becomes this process where Mm -hmm. it's not a moment where instead it's a series of obedient, you know, steps that one needs to take, you know, and moments where it's like God, you know, pushes you in this direction to do this and do the other Mm. thing. And again, I think, you know, for our listeners and those listening, 
um, taking this and taking this as that, uh, just that reminder that God can use us even in, in, in that moment and in that pain. And, you know, whether it is to move us to write mm-hmm. that song or, or work as part of a team, you know, with someone else and in collaboration, I think it's just awesome, uh, to be yeah. able to, to do those things, you know, and, and you're someone who has worked with many people and has collaborated with many people and um you know yeah Mm -hmm. you have i I mean i know you have a long list which i would love for you to share some of the people you have worked with but you know if out of that list that you that you have right and the memories and the people that are coming to you at this moment um who is someone that you have worked with that impacted you greatly and what is something that you learned from them oh god life Y'all coming with those questions. <laughs> My God. Yes, good stuff. Um, immediately, immediately, um, out of all the artists that I've worked with, Ingrid Rosario. So um, the thing with Ingrid, the first thing that impacted me about her was when the first time I met her, and it was, was, gosh, I don't remember how many years ago, when I met her, because I knew her music, when I when she walked into the space, I was I was starstruck. And I was kind of being, I was, I was trying not to, but I was being a fan and, you know, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I was doing all of that. <laughs> and so we just connected immediately. And so when the event was over, it was like a weekend event. She ends up, I say, yeah, Hey, can you sign my CD? And she's like, sure. And so she signs the CD and she puts her phone number. And so when I open I and I go, what? Hi. So I started like <laughs> having this attack because I had her number. And when she caught on to the fact that I was kind of had like a fan moment, the first thing she said to me, she goes, I'm looking for friends, not fans. Mm. And that me, that was like, me tiraron agua fria. Like they just poured a bucket of cold water on me. And it impacted me to see the artists and to see people that they are in the limelight and to understand that they're real. Yeah. And they're looking for real relationships. They're not looking for, they're looking for people that are disinterested in them and just want them, not what they can offer. Yes. So fast forward a few years or many years, actually, January, 2021, I hosted in my church uh, a, a series called blessed to bless. God blesses us so we can bless others. And in that series that I brought on Sundays on Fridays, every Friday, I brought a special guest to the church. And so one of the people I brought was Ingrid. And the whole thing that she brought in, because again, we've, we've built this relationship and she's just such, she's so personable. So when she came in, what wrecked my congregation was the fact that when she spoke, she said, they asked, somebody asked her, what's the thing that you love most about ministry? And if you could do any other ministry, what would it be? And do you know what she said? She said, an usher, a Mm. door greeter. And when I tell you, you can see the faces drop on that zoom session. And she goes, do you know why? She goes, because the greeter is the first person you see when you walk into a building. And that smile can change your life. Yes. Man, and that wrecked me. And I say it wrecked me. I don't mean like I was in there crying broken. I mean, like, all of a sudden, there's a paradigm shift. And I was like, what's important? And I think that that's one thing I learned with her. And I've seen consistently in her ministry and our relationship is the humility. She could be on an altar ministering to 20 people. She can be in an audience or a stadium ministering to 80,000 people. And when she comes off that altar, if she hasn't served and worshiped God and ministered to his people and walk off and let her smile minister to you, she hasn't done what she's been called to do. Hmm. So I, I'm able to look at artists from that perspective. Like, yeah, awesome what you've reached. It's fantastic what you've been able to do. But when I can see their heart, 
their service to the house, when I can see um, them just trying to be real, you know, it puts into perspective what matters. Yeah. And I think that that's where, like, Lord, allow me to model that, really. And that's how Jesus lived his life. And so when I see it manifested in people that have had notoriety and have had a certain amount of fame and they could still be like that, mm. <laughs> that's priceless. Priceless. No, absolutely. And Ingrid is someone who many of our guests have spoken about and spoken so fondly about. Um, and she's also someone who's been in the game for a minute as well which is why we see you know how she's impacted uh so many people um and to see someone who has that you know if you want to call it fame or that reach um be so humble as well and to understand the importance of you know the the things that really do matter especially in a church setting Mm -hmm. you know that is impactful and is like grounding you know like calmate to the other people you know that are like in this cloud nine it like brings them back down to reality of okay no these are the things that really do matter um and that you can actually practically do right now like you may not be where ingrid is at the moment but these are things that you can actually do at the moment that will have as much much as an impact as of, you know, whenever God levels you up uh, to wherever, you know, your journey is going to take you. And, you know, I said this before kind of playing around, uh, but I do think, you know, us are like, we're kind of like the, the, the generation or the people that are kind of in the middle. So like we've experienced the old school, uh, Mm -hmm. we're very familiar with the good and the bad and all the good stuff with that. Uh, But we're also very present in what's happening now in the church culture, uh, whether it's musically or within the church. And, you know, you have that whole new school vibe that's, you know, rising up. Um, But being people that have experienced the old school are really involved presently in the new school. You know, what is something from old school, like old school music or worship uh, that you do not want the new schoolers to forget? Mm, The spontaneity. Mm. Yeah, the spontaneity. The freedom. Yeah, yeah I, it's that. I think there's a certain level of freedom that I don't I don't want to say they've lost it because mm-hmm. I, I really listen. I cannot stomach that narrative where, you know, we start doing the whole yeah, this new generation has completely missed the mark. No, they haven't. <laughs> like, stop it. Yes. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You know, the reality is that we all are um, we all work under one purpose, which is the kingdom purpose. And in that kingdom purpose, we each have an assignment. My assignment is not gonna look like your assignment. The last generation's assignment doesn't look like the present generation's assignment, but we can each learn from each other. Yes. So, so I think the spontaneity, I think that in being so structured in our services, um, and listen, in my church, you know, my parents, my listen, my dad's gonna be like 73 in the summer. My mom's in her 60s. And these guys are more forward thinkers than even me. Like, <laughs> we just got an we just got an LED wall, not because I pushed the LED wall, but because they pushed the LED wall. <laughs> Queremos tecnología. You know, so they're like, they're, they're those people. So I understand the, the structure. I understand the four songs or the three songs. And if you can afford to see, you know, the, the multi-track, I get it. But I don't think I, I ever want to lose the idea that we can step away from a song and have a moment and not have production panic because yes. now worship is moved past 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, or I have preachers that I absolutely follow. I have, uh, there's there's two preachers. One of them is um, Pastor Yesenia then in the Dominican Republic, right? Love her. Um, there's another pastor that I follow that I think he's amazing. 
but what I'm finding is that they've limited the preaching down to a 25 minute segment. Mm -hmm. And every week, y'all, I walk away going, you wanted to say more. Yes. Yep. You wanted to say more. Now, listen, I get it. We have time constraints. I also get it that with campuses, there's different things, but there has to be room for us to go. You know what? Let's break loose. Mm -hmm. Let's break loose, especially Hispanics. You know how we are. You know, like <laughs> we're so expressive. Yes. And so I think that's fine. The band, the ability for the band to open up and flow, the ability yes. for singers to open up and flow. Dale, you know, so I think that's a big one for me. The spontaneity. Yeah, and I agree with that as well because I feel like, you know, hay que darle libertad al Espíritu Santo. And when oh, you Gloria. don't, when you're like, oh no, it's it's a 15-minute session and the time is up, but the atmosphere yes. is you can feel that something's about to break or something's about to lose or God is about right. to pour out something, you know, how dare you cut it? <laughs> like, how right. dare you be like, oh no, our 15 minutes is up, you know, I just got to go sit down, you know, so yeah. that is something that you definitely have to have your pulse on um, and be very sensitive to the spirit because you do not want to cut out somebody's blessing because you're so constricted to you know these time frame and parameters yeah and you know and if, if you don't mind me jumping on that real quick um it you know it's funny because i would argue like i i, I would so agree with that and i think that as a church we we have this concept that and i've told this to my worship leaders god is not in a box mm -hmm. our church was the complete opposite for a long time they felt like if if the worship experience only lasted 30 minutes that that wasn't enough. It wasn't time, <laughs> enough time for God to work. And I'm yeah. like, since when is God in a box? Like yeah. God, the moment I say, you know, like welcome this morning, the work of God could be happening at that moment because Absolutely. it's not about, let's be honest. This is not about waiting on God. Mm -hmm. God is present. God is always with us. He will never forsake us. God is always there. What are we waiting for then? It's the people's hearts to open. Yes. So I think that that time that you were just talking about, like being sensitive to the atmosphere is because there are people who are sitting there that are still soaking in the song. They're still understanding the lyrics. There's a tear flowing, but they don't want anybody to see them. They're feeling like a little jitter and they're, they're not sure what's going on. Sometimes you have to be sensitive to the fact that finally there's a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. There is a moment. And then there's the other side of the equation. Do I want every service? to have an hour long worship set? Probably not, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes we're singing and like, you could sense that it was time to go like three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's the sensitivity. I think structure is fantastic. I think where we're at now is great. I love it. I love pro presenter. I love amazing worship experiences with the lights and I love, I love all that stuff. But if we can combine that sensitivity to what God wants to do at that moment with those hearts, I'd say pff, we're winning. We're winning. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, something you said earlier, uh, you know, speaking, um, you know, about a personal experience that you were saying you had mentioned something about how oftentimes it's easy, easy to compare ourselves to other people who are maybe in a higher level than we are right so for yes. instance you know uh worship leaders you know in their local churches maybe super mega fans of maverick city or of an elevation worship or of a transformation church right these churches that are mm -hmm. you know on levels that obviously some of our local churches are just not there yet they may not have mm -hmm. some of the resources or the equipment or the technology and you know just all of those things that make up you know the 
journey that those churches and groups have had. And I think oftentimes, you know, uh, whether it is young people in ministry, um, in our churches, in, in our local churches, where we may uh, compare what we do or how we do things to those other churches or groups, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, right now Maverick city, um, is kind of like at the, you know, the top of the game right now and has a lot of people's attention, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of eyes on them and a lot of people who, you know, love that style of worship and all of those things who may then take that and compare it to their local church worship team. Right. You know, and then get frustrated or grow, Mm. um, you know, stressed and all of these things because it doesn't match, you know, that level. So what do you say? How do we create this balance, this healthy balance where we are inspired by these people and by these groups and churches, you know, whether it's in worship or just in, you know, the preaching and what they do in their churches. But at the same time, don't grow stagnant or complacent where we are, where it's like, you know what, we can grow, we can move we can you know uh find more resources and grow in our gifts and invest in our gifts but at the same time you know simply be inspired and not imitate what does that Mm. balance look like that's tough that's tough because um i think we all do that to a certain extent right so one of the things with me with when i share at my church or when i speak to in whatever capacity i am transparent maybe sometimes to a fault because i feel like I can't speak to a thing if I don't share my experience. So my challenge had been, um, and it's something that I, I'm very cognizant about, I'm very, very aware of it now, I'm very intentional to be careful with that, is that in watching all the big churches specifically, like you mentioned, like uh, the Potter's House, the Transformation Churches, Elevation, um, Rede- Redemption, right? I'm watching those churches and then subconsciously I'm coming into my worship experience frustrated with absolutely everything (laughs) you you can say that again (laughs) frustrated with absolutely everything you know and completely and 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 not sensing that it's affecting my own service to my house and it's affecting the way i'm working with my leadership and this just happened to me recently i mean as recently as the beginning of this year because I would see, well, why can't we have lower thirds on our transmissions? Well, why is our transmission always crashing? I don't see elevations crashing. Well, why is the worship sound the way it does when we go online? It sounds fire in the building. But then when I listen to the live stream, it's like, uh, yeah, don't air that. Well, why doesn't transformation sound like that? And so what it ends up doing is, one, you serve from a place of frustration, number one. And you're serving from a place of tra- from frustration because you've placed unrealistic expectations on the resources that you currently have. Mm-hmm. If I really go into these churches and what they make look so easy, there are million dollar budgets behind these things. And so when, um, when one day I said, I don't like the way I'm, I'm talking to my immediate staff, I wasn't being like a jerk or anything, but I was kind of like, guys, what's up with the, with the visuals? It's not up to par. Oh, the music. Ah, I finally realized the problem is that I'm, I'm comparing to the wrong thing. I should use them for inspiration. But if I'm looking to learn for something immediate, I have to find something that is parallel to what I'm doing. And so I started to look at churches that are uh, uh, attendance-wise are where we're at. In terms of what we're trying to do is where we're at. To see where we can improve or maybe even where we can be a blessing to them. And all of a sudden, 
But when I look back at my church, I remember one day I was looking back and I was talking to one of my leaders and I, one of my young leaders, I said, God, I really love our church. Now, it wasn't because I was looking at somebody else and going, wow, they're, what they're doing is terrible. But I understood <laughs> that if, if I'm matching it to a church that has 37,000 members and my church only has 70, I'm creating space for that frustration because I've placed unrealistic expectations with what I have. So I think that as a ministry, you should look at them for inspiration. You should take time out and listen to Maverick. You should take time and listen to Elevation's team at even Transformation's team, which is coming up ridiculous right now. You should look at them for inspiration, but understand that you have a you have a set of resources. You don't have all those amazing vocalists. Most of those vocalists are traveling and they're professionals. So tú tienes que trabajar con lo que tú tienes. You have to work with what you have yeah. and then build from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a definite, you know, nugget that a lot of people, um, especially I feel like a lot of people who have um, been in their church for a really long time, you know, need to receive and let it simmer. Let it marinate. Uh, and, let it marinate, you know, yes. <laughs> and yes. understand that because it is, you know, frustrating when, mm -hmm. you know, your focus, you know, what really happens is that your shift changes. Instead of it being like, you know, how can we serve to our excellence here with what we have? It winds up being that whole comparison thing of, oh, but they're doing this, they're doing that, the way that you were expressing. Um, but when you really like refocus and like, all right, Lord, you know, how does giving 100% here look and how there can we is. reach that? You know, that's the real Good. goal. How can we reach giving 100% with what we have and not in comparison to what other people have? Um, that was so good. Eddie, that was so good when you said, uh, what does what does 100% look like for us? Yes. What does excellence, oh, we have to work in excellence. Mm -hmm. We have to, and so when we're, when we're saying that, what we're saying is we need to look like transformation. No. No. What does excellence <laughs> look like in my case, for the tabernacle in Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah. What does that look like? And what we've learned to do is, yes, we'll look at, for instance, I'll give you an example. We were looking at the Elevation live stream to see how their moderators, online moderators, interact with their audience. Mm. And so what we did is that my team said, okay, they do this and they'll put the song title in the chat. I can't run my chat the way Elevation does. It's not as professional. It's not million dollar budgets. But we can take an element that inspires us that yes. they're doing and implement it. Yeah, absolutely. And right there, your level of excellence just went up another level. Yeah. Now, can I make a parenthesis? Yeah, definitely. There has to be hunger. There's not now. Yes. There's time where there's there are people that are hungry and they're not getting it, guys. Well, let's just let's just let's, let's do some real talk. Mm -hmm. Your 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 ministry stuck. Your business is stuck whatever it is that you're moving is stuck. And it's at those moments where you need to go into prayer. Father, what, what's next? What, what, how can I be an answer? Or is this a conversation about a seasonal shift? Hmm. So I think you have to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord to say, stay here, work it out. You have something to contribute. Or is this something where it's time to move? I don't know. Guys, I don't know. I'm not telling anybody to leave their church. And if y'all leave their church, don't blame me. <laughs> or or, let, or let, me, let me steal this joke. You know, if you want to email me, email me at Miguel at GodLifePodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just to be sensitive. Stay hungry. Yes. Look for that level of excellence. But at your, what does 100% look like for you? No, absolutely. You know, and I have I have a question that I only feel comfortable posing to you uh, because oh, it can be a uh, 
controversial question uh, that Ooh. I've seen many people debate on online. Uh, but I always see that the loudest people are those that are, are, aren't even in the business. Like they're not musicians. Well, they're not, you know, someone who is looking to support themselves through the gifts that God has given them and all that other stuff. But they have a very strong opinion on it. Um, <laughs> and you being someone who um, is in the music industry, is in connected to people from the music industry and also is well connected to people within the church and ministry that are musicians you know i really uh, i apologize i feel like i'm putting you on the spot with this question but i do think you have um some insight on this question so the question okay. is dun, 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 you know how what is your opinion on musicians that have the duality of playing in church through ministry but also play for secular artists Ay, mi madre, espérate. Ay, ay, ay. Wait, I think they're calling me. I think they're calling um, What do I think about that? You know, it's so funny. Um, I'm going to give you my 100% answer. Yes. Honest. Yes. My honest answer is that we forget that for many musicians professional musicians, mm -hmm. this isn't a weekend thing. Yes. This is their profession. This is what they went to school for. This is what they invested in. This is all the thousands of dollars I'm, I'm geared. This is what they've invested in. This is their gift. It's like a banker. It's like a nurse. This is their profession. And I would argue that I would be okay with a musician who plays in the house and plays secularly. Now, is there a line drawn? And I would argue, yes. Mm. I think it's, I'm good. Listen, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there and I don't know who's going to hear this, but I'm going to go there. It's the same argument with listening to secular music. It's the same argument. Yep. I've had, I've had people ask me, Pastora, but you listen to secular music. And the answer is correct. I do. Um, but do I listen to all secular music? The answer is no. Why? Because I also listen for lyrics and content. <clears throat> and if there's something that I'm like, oh man, this just doesn't feel right, then I'll turn it off, period. And I think I would argue the same thing for musicians. I think that if you're on a gig where it is just, well, you know, you don't need a prophet to tell you. <laughs> get too, it's too much. That is too much. Then at that point, I would say, I would counsel the artist, like, you know, have you looked at the fact that when you go to these events, this is what you're seeing, this is what it's promoting, you know, you're going to these events and you're seeing, you know, stuff that are really, really, um, what's the word, entristeciendo el Espíritu Santo in you. Mm. And I think that that's where you need to go. Listen, I had a friend who was a professional Christian musician who was traveling many years ago with a very famous boy band. And in their tours, he would minister privately to these artists. Wow. So I think it's a tricky conversation. I think that it, it is a decision that people have to make and it's a it's a conversation of conviction. You know, and I just shared mine in terms of secular music. Yeah. I think that that we have to understand that it's a conversation of conviction, that's one. And two, if it's a professional musician, if you're not willing to let them travel on a positive secular artist's tour, then as a church you need to be ready to compensate them what they're worth. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think conversations like this um should 
uh, move even our churches, right, to have, you know, these conversations in reference to, you know, uh, like you said, the compensation of musicians, especially when there are harsh expectations or, you know, rigid schedules involved in all of these things and, you know, that uh, that interfere kind of, right, when, when sure. this craft or this, you know, you as a musician is something that you both do as a career, right, and in ministry, Right. Because sure. I think that's the whole other aspect where, like you said, for these individuals, a lot of times this is their career. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, and then they also, you know, use these gifts within our churches. But like you said, I and I and I like how you worded it, where it really has to come. If, if that if the minute and the instance you feel that discomfort and you feel like this ain't it, you have to listen to that. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And, and, and again, that can go for anything. The minute that, you know, whatever we're doing and whoever we're serving and whatever is happening, the minute we sense that, okay, that something doesn't seem right or something seems off or this isn't, you know, I, I don't feel super comfortable here. You know, it's, it's good to question that and listen to that, to that voice, right. And that feeling. And, and when you have that relationship with God, right. Um, that's that foundation, then, you know, you know what, Lord, like lead me, like, is this what you want me to do? Is this where you want me to step? Is this how you want me to use my gift? Because then we have those individuals who aren't doing, you know, or collaborating, let's say, with the secular artists, but they're in disobedience because they're using their gifts in places that God hasn't called them to. There it is. You know, so then it's like, is there a difference in that situation? Right. So I agree. No, I agree with that. And I think that it's um, it's a it's a knife that cuts both ways. I think that we have made the mistake to make the distinction that every Christian venue, every Christian event, every Christian invitation is of God. Mm-hmm. And the same God that will speak to you about an event or a gig or an opportunity that you took that is that is really saddening his spirit is the same God that will speak to you about being in a church or an event that even though it has a title of Christian is not, is, is not what he wants you to be at. Um, listen, one time I was called to play for an event and um you know with with pay and everything and we did the sound check everything was great you know at least the sound check i think it was like two days before they did an earlier sound check and then they did a sound check again because it was of the venue and when we were in the green room um that artist christian artist could not for the life of him stop using the f word really and it it was constantly like he would say and then excuse himself and then say and excuse himself and then when he wasn't cussing him and his crew we're consistently like dogging out other artists and just, it was just the vibe was so horrible. Like I wouldn't want to be a part of that. So long story short, because I was playing auxiliary keys, meaning I wasn't playing the main keyboard part. I just couldn't, I just felt so uncomfortable in my heart about it. I was like, I just don't want to be associated with this. And so I, you know, I did something that eventually ended up closing the doors for me in these opportunities. And I said, I, I won't be able to do the event. I can't do it. No, I, I can't. And I did. I walked away. I walked away from it. So I don't necessarily think it's a conversation about Christian, non-Christian. I think it's about listening to the voice of God and being sensitive enough mm-hmm. to say this works or this. Listen, it's the same thing like when people want to get married with somebody in the church. Well, if since they're Christian, it's a, it's God's automatic yes. Well, not always. Yep. So I think it's just being sensitive. As Let's go back to the mentor conversation. Who are your mentors that are teaching you how to have an ear open to the Holy Spirit? Yes. You know, it's not just about which chords to play, what cuts to do and who, what, what musicians to listen to. It's about having private time with the Holy Ghost, intimacy with the Lord to understand 
when he wants you to move and when he doesn't, what doors to walk through, what doors to close and trusting him enough that he's got you. You know what I mean? And he's going to take you to where you need to go. Yeah. And I think, you know, all of that is great. And I also think that one of the the things that we need to stop doing a lot of times is holding people to the standard or to the parameters in which God wants you to live by, you know, because Mm. it sounds a little controversial, but I do, you know, I'm someone from the belief that, you know, there's certain things that God may not want me to be a part of, you know, there's certain things that God may want me to stay away from or whatever, because it's for my benefit, but that doesn't affect someone else negatively. So, you know, God may not want me to be watching, you know, TV shows or certain things like that may want me to disconnect from social media, but it is not my job to then judge everyone that is connected to social media because that's, that's so not for them for me it's one thing for them it's something else and that's why the sensitivity to you know the holy spirit and the voice of god is so important because it also saves us from judging others you know wow. which is a sin within itself so you're over here criticando el hermano <laughs> because of whatever they're doing like be like you're falling in sin yourself for being judgmental mm. and for being that way you know so it is a um a topic of conversation that can go on uh, for a really long time and has so many yeah. layers to it um, that is important to have. You know, and sometimes mm-hmm. I do, you know, I, I see these conversations sometimes happening online and it saddens me because I'm like, you know, you could be doing this the right way, but it just goes left because uh, of the keyboard warriors and all those people. Um, you know, so when we have a conversation like this and, I, and I'm very appreciative of, you yeah. know, your opinion and your feeling and, you know, your view on it because it, it's definitely valid. I appreciate that, you know, and I appreciate this opportunity to talk about it because I think um, if there's anything that anyone's going to um, walk away from this conversation with on, of what I feel has been a, a fantastic convo, I feel really edified by this conversation. But I think something that you just mentioned is that um, God's relationship with each one of us will have requirements that match with where we're at. So even though I would argue that I'm not going to sit here and automatically blast a musician because they have a secular event, if you were to ask me, Pastor Ruthie, would you do a secular event? The answer would be no, Hmm. because that's the work that God has called me to do. I'm not called to play secularly, Yeah. but I'm not called either to sit there and and fire and brimstone someone who does, especially if, unless they're playing for someone where, you know, you know, they're twerking the entire time, you know what I'm saying? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like half dressed. That's a whole different conversation. Pero yo estoy particularmente hablando of, I'm speaking of what God has called me to do. Yeah. And then also more than telling you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. How can I teach you to hear God in the overall equation if that makes sense don't do this event on tuesday don't do that event on thursday do this event on friday how about i say this let me teach you how to pray how to develop your prayer closet so that when you're looking at all the opportunities at a whole whether it's music whether it's relationships whether who to marry who who to talk to who to enter into um business ventures with what church to attend what church to whatever the case may be that i could hear the voice of the holy ghost tell me this door or not this door i think as mentors we're charged not just with teaching people dogmatic rules, but a lifestyle. 
Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I'm soaking in literally everything that you're saying. And I know that our listeners as well um, will be super blessed by this conversation. So we just want to say thank you, you know, yeah, for your transparency. You. Thank you for, you know, uh, being open. Right. And, and diving into these conversations. And again, I know that uh, there's so many different layers to these you know topics and these discussions. And we always say on this podcast, you know, and even to our listeners, we encourage them to take all of this. And now you continue the conversation within your churches, within your youth groups, within your, you know, uh, musicians and worship teams, you know, definitely continue the conversation. And if you can just give us where our listeners can find you on social media, if there's anything you'd like to share, if something you have up and coming, anything like that, this is your opportunity. Well, thanks again, guys, for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And this really was a fun convo. In terms of finding me, I'm on Instagram, Ruthie Rods, R-U-T-H-Y-R-O-D-Z. Um, and uh, I think that's it. You know, you can find me on social media and always send me messages if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything that I could be a blessing with. But guys, thank you. This was so much fun. No, thank you. And definitely uh, go and follow her and, and be in tune to everything that she's doing and blessed by, you know, what, what God is doing in her life. And we also want to take this opportunity. If you are not following um, our uh, social media, be sure to do so. You can follow us on Instagram and at Facebook at God Life Culture Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when we drop new episodes we have special guests coming up in these next few weeks that we do not want you guys to miss out on so once again ruthie thank you so much for being part of today's episode i for myself am walking away um edified feeling great with great perspective and even things to you know sit back and like i said before let it marinate and chew on it and see um in what areas you know i need to correct certain things um, um, so that I myself am giving that 100, you know, and that excellence to the Lord. Um, so thank you once again for tuning in to the latest episode of the God Life Culture podcast. That's God, God Life Culture. Culture. Until next time. See ya. Bye.